mentioned the theme based on the song I Heard the Bells at Christmas Day, and that movie is still out playing, and you can check the Regal Cinema and the DMV Cinemas, and again on uh, BassChapel.Church if you're interested in seeing that. It's a good movie. This song has been around for quite a while. It was written during the time of the Civil War, and, and it's got a good meaning behind it, and I think it's still fitting today, and we're asking the question, can we find peace on earth? And if you think, what if pastor so weird, we're doing Christmas series in Genesis. Guys, right there in this chapter, this is the whole reason why we have Christmas is what happened in Genesis. There is peace on earth. And the past few weeks, we've been talking about the fact of the familiar sound. Uh, uh, the garden, which meant delight, was created. God created a man for relationship and peace. And, and then that was the familiar sound. That's why all of us are searching for some kind of peace. And usually we're searching for it in the wrong places and we're defining it in the wrong way. And so the first movie talked about the familiar sound. We, we were created for peace with God. We were created for peace with others. And then last week we talked about the fallen sound. That man was given free will and man chose to go against God. And this is why we deal with the things. And it's pretty bleak if we just ended there because of the fact that this is why we have all the stuff that we're dealing with today. And uh, today we're talking about the future sound. And, uh, you know... As, as we left in the garden, it was a pretty bad situation. It was a pretty hopeless situation. And again, asking, can there be peace on earth? And then you go back to the song, and another line in the song, I heard the bells, is like, I heard the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. God's not on vacation, guys. I love the Beth Miller song, From a Distance, but God is not watching us from a distance. God is very active and if God ceased to be active, we would cease to exist. And so, last week we looked at the lines on, you know, hate is strong and mocks the song, and this is what Satan has done. He's saying, I'm better than God, and man is saying every time we choose our way that we are better than God. We are dealing with the prince of this world, Satan, and we are dealing with a fallen world that thankful for these other lines that... The bell's more loud than deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. I hope that encourages today. We struggle to have hope. We struggle to see peace fulfilled. And we can choose to hear a frightful sound. And we can choose to hear the fallen sound. Sometimes you guys may say, well, pastor's always talking about none of us are perfect, nobody's good. Well, that's what the Bible says. We were created good, but because of the fall, no, not one. But sometimes we can be frightened. And I'm not talking about godly fear. We can give in to the fear that we shouldn't. And, or we can hear this today. I'm talking about a fulfilling sound, a future sound. And so your action step today is hear the future sound. And last week we talked about the fall in Genesis 3, verses 7 through 13, and the curse and the punishment. And here's your first bell, and it's going to spell out the word bell, and next week it'll spell out the word bell. So you can be excited about that. <laughs> but here's your first one. We, we will see everyone loses, but Satan is the biggest loser. That's your first one. Well, I already knew that. Well, maybe you did, but you saw all this curse. And once you understand, when somebody's the biggest loser, or when they're the one that's going to get most in trouble, we're going to see this, because we even see it with Eve. Eve, she wanted to involve Adam in her sin. Well, if Satan knows where he's going... He wants to take as many people as he can with him. 
And so he is the biggest loser. I'm not talking about weight loss either for that show. Okay? But we're going to look at this focal passage, and then we're going to look at some other ones. Guys, you need to be familiar with Genesis 3.15, because that right there, this verse, is a game changer. Because before that, there's no hope, and we might as well go home. But look at what happens here in 15. And I do like, we're using the CSV, and it's great. And I'm going to convert some things here in a minute when we talk about these words. But I do like how some versions read this. But I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Hostility. That's enmity. That's hatred. Um, and really, it's the type of hatred that's between people, not animals. In other words... Certain animals don't like each other, they're mortal enemies and all that kind of stuff. But in the Old Testament, this was talking hatred between people. And so, you know, God's gone through this list of curse, and, and we see the snake, and then Satan, and we'll get into that a little bit more. And then we see uh, what Eve has to put up with, and then we see what uh, Adam has to put up with, and then what we all have to be put up with, and they're kicked out of peace on earth, and all this kind of stuff. And there's no hope at this time. I want you to understand the situation. Adam and Eve were not where we were. It's like, hey, we know how it ends. And we're, even, we're not even in the Old Testament. It's been fulfilled. So we're just waiting. We're in a time of grace. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And the reason we have this grace is so we can share it with others so they don't go to hell, eternal punishment, and separation from God forever. So Adam and Eve are like, uh, he's saying... This right here is where the hope comes in. But he's saying, you know, there's going to be hatred between you and Satan. And we're going to talk about mankind. And we're going to talk about the woman specifically. And this is where the great conflict comes together. The conflict between light and darkness. The conflict between good and evil. The conflict between Christ and Satan. The conflict between the good seed and the bad seed. Ephesians 6 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers of this present darkness. See, we all want to get upset with each other or other people. And yes, we make our decisions, and we need to take our responsibility for the things that we do. And the devil doesn't make us do it, but he sure does tempt us and can lead us down the right situations that we do do it. We need to remember our true battle is between Satan. And I'm not going to try to take Satan on my best day without Jesus Christ, the power of his Holy Spirit, his word, letting him take the lead. Going back to 15. So there's hatred between, you know, man and Satan. And he goes into between you and the woman. Always, now, God's, God's designed men and women, they're aspects of God, and if you take that the wrong way, you're not listening to me. But God designed the man to be the provider and protector. It's not that women can't work and help with things. But we naturally are like, where do I need to go? Who do I need to take out? Are we safe? Are we being taken care of? And then it's amazing how us men can sleep through that baby crying. And mama with their radar just get up and know it. And then you wake up in the morning. Why are you so tired? I was up half the night doing this, this, and this. And those guys are like, oh, I'll see you later. I'm going to go provide. Okay, make sure the door's locked. Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, but God, God makes us different. But women in general, 
I know that men don't like injustice and do what's right, but in the sensitivity that God gives women, you know, uh, men are like when somebody gets hurt a lot, a lot of times, shake it off. It's just a, it's just a minor thing or that kind of thing. And Mama looks at it a little bit deeper, you know, and all those kind of things. And my mom in the hospital, and she watches this. So I got to be really careful, okay? Because, uh, but, but she's used to taking care of all of us, and so it's hard for her to let us take care of her, you know, and that's a good thing, and we're glad to do that, but women, a lot of times, when they're talking about this verse here, are more sensitive to injustice, they'll see it first, it's not that men are, but also women, after the fall, were experiencing more injustice, and when they talk about the weaker vessel, we can get on all the steroids we want, I'm sure there's a ton of women that can beat me out, but in a way, it gets to the point, structurally and physically, men and women are different. And some are stronger and some are not. And so, so that's what it's talking about here first. That, yes, there's hatred between all of mankind and Satan. And we're going to get into the woman specifically that it's going to talk about. This is the hope of Christmas in this verse. But the fact of the sensitivity to injustice, to evil. Uh, more sensitive to receiving evil. And they're more sensitive to see it, the more sensitive to receive it. We see this as part of the curse. And the object of hatred, antagonism, hostility between, between Satan and the woman, between Satan and man. And again, we're talking in general about offspring. Women are the ones that have the kids. Yes, it takes two. But he says, and your offspring, your seed. This is the great struggle between good and evil. No peace on earth, no goodwill, no grace towards man. Uh, the bad seed, Satan's offspring. John 8, 44 says this. You are the father, you of, of your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. You might want to write that down. He has a seed, and this is his seed. Children of the flesh, people who are adulterous, people who commit sin, the unrighteous, and they don't love each other. You say, yeah, those are the really bad people. Guess what? Without Jesus, that's you. Without Jesus, that's me. Why do we say that if you don't choose Christ, you will go with the devil to his place of punishment? That is his seed, the bad seed. And we're all the bad seed. Yes, everything God created was good. So good that he's decided to redeem you. But in your current condition without Christ, you're a seed of the devil. I was a seed of the devil. Got to get the bad news before you get the good news. 1 John 3.10 says this. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. I would write that one down too, 1 John 3.10, because there is a difference. Hearing the future sound means we understand your next fill-in. Everyone who is ungodly is the bad seed. Now, before you start picking on people, you could go to Colossians and read through there and some of the other New Testament epistles, and basically you'll say, hey, you're getting too, I'm abbreviating for Paul, that he says, you're getting too big for your britches because you forgot where you came from. 
you think you've overcome. And again, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan wants us to live in our past. I don't suggest you do that. You go forward and follow God. But we need to remember, except for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here. Amen. All right. Pretty hopeless. No matter how many bad seeds there are, there's always a good seed. There's always a holy seed. I like what the prophet said that he talks about the decimation and he talks about that there's nothing left, but yet there's a holy shoot. There's something that's getting ready to, to, to grow up. And it only takes one. Some of you have thrown out garbage. You may live out in the country or something. You throw out something or you're out in the woods. We've got a peach tree just growing right outside of our, our yard. You know, and we call that a volunteer. I don't think we're going to get much out of it. It had peaches and stuff, but obviously sometimes somewhere somebody was eating a peach, threw it over there, and that thing decided to come up on its own. Um, but let's go back here to 15. Between, we talked about Satan's offspring, and now let's talk about her offspring. Her offspring, her seed, mankind. Talking about Mary. And talking about God's seed. See, this is why the virgin birth is important. You know, I'm going to get radical. I'm not so sure Jesus looked like Mary. Because Jesus was placed in Mary. And Jesus is the son of God. And the only reason Mary got to do this is because she was so perfect and all this stuff and she never sinned. That's a bunch of something. No, it's because... God showed her grace, and she was willing to do this. And so that's why when it says the seed of the woman, if you go to the Bible, you don't ever see women having a seed. That is from man. And if some of you younger need to figure that out, talk to your grandparents or something. I don't know. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. That, that right there is talking about the virgin birth, the miracle. On Wednesday nights, we're not going to be having Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, and next week is the holidays. When we get back, we're talking about the seven birthdays and in the Bible, and they were miraculous births of women that couldn't have children. Mary could have a child. We were talking about Jesus. But the fact of God, this is God placing his seed in her, son of God. Galatians 3.16 says this, Now the promises are spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does, he does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, to your seed, who is Christ. That's Galatians 3.16. This is why this verse we're covering today is a Christmas verse. Because right here, right at this point, that seed is talking about Mary and Jesus and our future hope. Prophet, don't you see how awesome God is that we're... We're in a tight spot. Yeah, you know what movie that's from. Brother, where art thou? And some of you, if you're cultured. But, um, but here's the deal. They're in a tight spot. And chapter 3 of the Bible, that's not that far into it. God's working. And guess what the rest of the Bible's about? God working towards this fulfillment. That doesn't get you excited. It should. That doesn't leave us in our junk. From one seed comes a godly seed. Those who... 
I'm gonna have to shut off the group texting because my siblings are texting like wazoo out here. Okay, <laughs> my phone, this is vibrating, I'm seeing it, but I'm not reading them. Okay, yeah, you heard that on live, kids. So. Okay, those, those who love, uh, the point is those who love uh, God are the good seed. Those who love Christ. Well, I love Jesus. Well, you know what? It's more than just loving Jesus and what he does. There's a lot of people that love what Jesus said, but yet they won't do what he requires. And we were saved by grace, guys. Well, there's nothing to do but to accept what he has done. But the good seed are those that love Christ and what he's done. Your next villain. Those who hear the future sound are those who are lovers of God. The good seed. Now again, we've got a lot of fans. We've got a lot of fans. I like the things Jesus does. I kind of like the God stuff, but I also like this and I like that. No, 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 no. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is just as important as this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is in Mark 12, 30 and 31. And it goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've got to have at our core a love for God. What makes him the good seed? What can bring peace on earth? Notice this. The last part of 15. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, the Passion of the Christ, you see this, in, and Mel Gibson does a good job of depicting that scene when Satan is, uh, is, is, is goading Christ before he goes to the cross. And, and now we see, we see here this prophecy being fulfilled. So let's talk about this. What's the best way to kill a snake? Yeah, I don't want to get near its head, but if you mash its head... It'll probably be dead. It might squirm around a little bit. I know some of you, it's bothering you. I don't like snakes either, but I've learned to just kind of keep my distance. And I'm going to freak some of you out. Yeah, I've had to take care of a few snakes here at the church. There's one. No, there's not one right there. I, I, we'd be having a Jerry Clower moment, and everybody would be running out of the church. Okay. But I told you, that's why I'm staying away from so many, because when I get tired, and I get a little mouthy and sarcastic. So I'm working on it. Okay, with Jesus. All right, so the best way to kill a snake is to stomp it on the head. Now, I don't care what the Missouri laws say about that. Yeah, Missouri, you heard me, but if there's a snake and it's bothering you, I'll take care of it. If it wants to go its way, that's fine, okay? But no, uh, but the danger, but notice what's going to happen to the other one. He's going to, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. One of those is fatal, and the word bruise is there. One of those yeah, it's going to be bad and you can recover. So let's look at this hatred that Satan has. Because why does Satan hate Jesus? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And so he doesn't want anybody to come to the Father. He knows where he's going. doesn't want anybody else to go there. And so let's look at how he's done this. The danger of destroying the seed of Christ. You know, Mary. I love Max Lucado has a little book, I can't remember the name of it, uh, Christmas, and just talks about the spiritual aspect of Mary and Joseph. And I know he's kind of, I don't want to say he's exaggerating, but he's kind of playing on that. But guys, we have a spiritual warfare going on, and don't you think that Satan did not want to see Jesus born? And so the first step is this, Joseph divorcing Mary... Because they were engaged for a year before he was going to prepare things. And so they were considered married and always, but not physically together. And so he could have taken it. This shows the, the thing about Joseph. 
that he was a righteous man, he could have taken her publicly, and we've talked about this before, he could take her out, throw her over a cliff, and then throw huge rocks on her until she's dead. That's called stoning. Who do you think's behind that? Enmity. He doesn't want God's seed to be born. So Mary's in danger. Then you go to Matthew 2.11. Let's go to this. Herod. And uh, the fact that every child under two, male child under two, was to be killed. Wow. Satan going after God's seed. And then we see when Jesus is an adult, before he starts his earthly ministry, that, you know, uh, he's tempted for 40 days by Satan, and he ends up saying, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he's in Nazareth, and Nazareth is like the Jewish truck stop of that area. In other words, everything, the Roman soldiers, the caravans all went through there. It's kind of a rough town, and, and like the saying was, can anything good come from Nazareth? And it's kind of his hometown. But... During his ministry, they were getting ready to cast him off a cliff. And he thinks behind that. Then you got the religious people. There's a difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus Christ. I may be religious, but that's not getting me to heaven. It's the fact I start with having come to Christ. And are you still following Christ? We are followers of Christ. But you have the religious leaders that they, they killed him. And they, were, and they were doing the things of Satan. Yes, God had a plan, but if Jesus had said, no, let's let this pass, it could have passed. That's why in the garden, he said, if there's any way that you can let this come pass for me, but yet, nevertheless, your will be done. These are all Satan, his hatred, and his strategies to destroy God's seed. And then he led the world to put him on the cross. The best way to kill a snake is, is, is in the head, but let's get into this. But the way of salvation, it's seen at the cross, you know, that's it. Look at the disciples. Look at how they responded. They were in hiding. They were in fear. They were scattered. And if we stopped there, we'd say, yeah, we get it. We see the connection. Well, we're standing on the other side of the cross. Didn't look like peace on earth. Didn't look like there was a way of salvation, but... Galatians 4, verses 4 and 7, talk about a ray of hope. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that he might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. That's Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. That is the good seed. That is the child of God coming from what Christ did. And in that section of verses, Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, wraps up the whole Christmas story and why we have him coming. Completion. To do what we couldn't do. We see here the future sound uh, the future uh, source of darkness to light, the good seed. Look at the last part of verse 15. You will strike his heel. Or um, what we see here is, uh, I can't pronounce the word, but they call it pro, uh, I want to say it's proto-evangelism, or there's a different term for it, but this is the, this 
section of scripture and that last statement, you will strike his hill, is the first, declara first declaration of the gospel, the good news. This is why this verse is important. Because, again, which is worse? Getting hit in the head? Some of us may need it or some of us that may have happened. Or getting hit in the hill or bruised in the hill. Which would be harder that you need to watch more? Depends on, well, depends on Achilles' tendon. We're not talking about that, you specific people. Okay? <laughs> but, but what we're saying here, this is hope. This is a, a, an Adam, this is a promise to Adam and us to send a savior, uh, someone to deliver, someone to come, someone to destroy the serpent, someone to reconcile God and man, someone to provide peace on earth. In other words, yeah, you're going to take on suffering. You're going to take on the sin of the world. You're going to physically fill this. And you're going to take on all the insults. But you're not down for the count. Galatians 3.16 says this. Now the promises are spoken to God and to his seed. He does not say, and again I read this a little bit earlier, two seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one, to your seed, who is Christ. We see here that Christ this is talking about his crucifixion. This is talking about his sacrifice, but he's not down for the count. Jesus Christ, God, God's son, God's seed was to be bruised, but the tempter, Satan, will be crushed. Amen. That's awesome. This is the promise of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The first promise of the Savior in the whole Bible is Genesis 3.15. Mary's coming. She will have a seed from God. And that seed will be bruised, but he will overcome. But Satan, you will be crushed. And so the, cur uh, the crushing of, of Satan's head, and that's what, that's what uh, Jesus did on the cross. Crushed. Him, um, and how was he crushed? Let's look at some things. Jesus never gave in to temptation. Jesus died for man. Jesus rose from the dead. And, by, and Jesus came into this world. And by his power, he was able to change man if they are willing to accept his sacrifice. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, I'm not angry. I'm excited because Satan is a liar. And because God overcomes. And this is not the end. Death, hell, he is crushed because death Hell and the grave are defeated. Amen. And he is crushed because now man is not separate from God. And man does not have to be enslaved. Satan, that old servant, is cursed. He was cursed from creation. We, we try to get into the physical. Yes, he may have took the physical form of a snake. And it's kind of freaky to think about a snake walking on legs and maybe having hands. But whatever was happening in the garden, we wouldn't mind it because we didn't have the curse of sin. But we can't even think that way. Because we're smart enough to know we don't want to mess with snakes. And those of you who do, you're not right in the head. Okay? But here's the deal. Okay? We see he talks about you will eat dust. So we physically see, we know what snakes do. But that word, eating dust, also means eating defeat. Eating humi humiliation. Satan knows his time is limited. And he knows that we're just dealing with grace because God could come today. The curse of God physically crawling, but he will eat that old serpent that Revelations 12, 9 describes Satan as he will eat humiliation. 
The bottom line, Satan's, uh, Satan's judgment is pronounced by God in Genesis 3.15. You will be crushed. Your last villain, hearing the future sound means hearing love will triumph. And I want to be clear when I say love. The love of God through giving Jesus Christ to die, to be buried, and to be rose again. Because I'm sorry, we don't know what love is until God shows us. So I want to be clear on that last point if you think, well, love will triumph. I think you know your pastor well enough that I'm talking about Jesus' love. Because society right now is saying, as long as you love people, well, God loved us enough not to leave us where we're at. So... What does this mean? We go back to the song, and we said, I heard the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Think about this. Look at Genesis chapter 3. God's at work, and the rest of the whole Bible is about his work and his completion. That is awesome, and that should get you excited. And you see the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, he says, I will, and they're in darkness, and he says, I will return, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And then you go to Luke chapter, so that's the last book in the Old Testament, and then God is silent, and they're already living in darkness. And then you go to Luke chapter 1, I think it's verse 17, and he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And to turn the hearts to the, uh, the fathers, to the children, and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. What does that mean? It means it was fulfilled there to turn them back to God because of the good seed. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. This is the message of Christmas. So I've got some questions to ask you today and during this Christmas season. Whose side are you on? Well, I'm on God's side, Pastor. Well, let's, let's get into this. We're all the bad seed without Jesus. And uh, it's not the fact that we can get off that side. We're saved by grace. But you've got to start there. And some of you may not have made that choice. And I encourage you today. We're going to have a time of invitation here in a few moments. Come forward. Receive Christ. What is the best gift you can receive at Christmas? I, I, I'm not trying to mess anybody up. But Christmas is about Christ. Christ Mass. And the reason we give gifts is based on the fact that the greatest gift was given to us, God's Son, for us. And so come receive and unwrap that gift. You have to unwrap it. We can't unwrap it for you. You have to make Jesus your personal Savior and Lord. A lot of us have done that. But so many times we try to be undercover Christians. And people can't tell whose side we're on because we're trying to camouflage and blend into the world. I'm pretty sure God doesn't like that. Next question. Which seed are you? Oh, I'm a bad seed. Yeah, we all were. But have you received Christ? And there's sometimes we receive Christ that people can't tell if we're from the seed of Christ because we're not leaning into the Holy Spirit. We're not obeying God. Next question. What sound are you hearing? My goodness, guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of junk going on in society. <laughs> There's a lot of conscious fear we need to deal with. But we're going to get into this next week, the final sound. What are you focused on? 
You go to Hebrews chapter 12, or uh, I may be off a little bit, the faith chapter. And they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And, if they, and I'm abbreviating, but he says here, if they had a chance to stop, they would. And what the problem is, is Christians are listening to all the chicken little stuff. I said chicken little, okay, didn't stutter. The chicken little stuff, the sky is falling. Why in the world have I had to learn or I decide to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross? 1 Corinthians 2, 2. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Christians, if you're not listening and looking to the fact, yeah, there is not peace on earth and this is not good, but I've got Jesus. And if you're not staying focused, then we're running around like a chicken with our head cut off. And for those of you who aren't farm raised, it's funny, but it's not. What sound are you hearing, hearing to us? We stand to our feet and we have a time of invitation. Romans 6, we need to come and lay down and take up and go hear the future sound. And Romans 16, 20 says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I hope you're encouraged with that, with whatever you're going through. If you need to pray, I'm ready to talk to you. I hope you take that time. But are you hearing the future sound or the sound of the world that is dying and desperately needs to hear the sound of peace of Jesus Christ? Lord, I pray whatever we need to do today that we'll make these decisions for you. In your name, Jesus.